All right, self-identify, he, him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, I'd self-identify. I mean, I guess it, it, when it comes to labels, I feel like it really just matters who you're talking to. Like, labels are just something that you use to try to do your best to try to explain your thought philosophy. I mean, I don't feel like anyone technically ever fits, but I'd say agorist. What, in his words, he would call it the complete application of freedom. One thing I really like about it is, is the fact that it takes a firm stance against politics, and I do think that's something people need to think about. You're not helping anyone out if you're uh, if you're in the clink or if you're, if you're like, essentially economically screwing yourself over, putting yourself at a disadvantage, thus not really being able to move towards the agora, says agora, the uh, agorist revolution. My thing is, I think you're thinking short, you know, I think if you, if you look at it, then you're like this vote, you know, I gotta go vote this vote to protect myself. I think you're thinking short. I think you're feeding into a system that is just gonna fuck. I think politics is a losing game. Like, for example, I am your host, L.B. Muniz, and this is the Pin Awake Podcast for Better Sense Making. Interview with Jose Gallison of the No Way Jose and the Liberty Movement Podcasts shows. A good conversation is like jazz, and a good conversationalist is like a jazz musician. When I was learning at least a little bit how to play jazz, it's all about improvisation on the basics. So you can't escape the simple building blocks of music and musical theory to be a good jazz musician. You just not you just might not be able to articulate it. A good conversation when it's like jazz feeds off of each other and it takes a new life every single time. And you say the same thing, but it's maybe a little bit different. And that's what I'm trying to do with these interviews. I really want to thank Jose for coming on the show. It was a good time. We talked about agorism, which is a specific school of thought, ideology, that rejects politics and wants to maximize freedom. It rejects the political process altogether, frankly. We talk a little bit about that. We get into masks. I went on a few different tears towards Ben on the 40 minute mark. And overall, we just, we had a, we had a gay old time. So make sure you follow him on social media. Make sure you go to binawake.com, sign up with your email. And we'll keep doing better sense making. If you really like what I'm doing, you can go to binawake.com slash donate. And I don't know, buy me a coffee. Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. 
So Jose, you know, a little bit, I, I like to say a little bit out of laziness, but also because I'm really, really interested in this question. Um, I always like to ask my guests, the first, the first thing is how they self-identify or what schools of thought do they operate from? Self-identify, he, him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, I'd self-identify. I mean, I guess it, it, when it comes to labels, I feel like it really just matters who you're talking to. So, like, I normally don't tell normies I'm an agorist, but among, like, among, like, my libertarian or ANCAP friends, I usually go agorist because it's, it's a pretty damn good label. Like, I read all of Conkin's work, and I pretty much agree with the vast majority of it. I mean, there's like some minor little disagreements, but the spirit of the label still fits. Like labels are just something that you use to try to do your best to try to explain your thoughts or your your philosophy. I mean, I don't feel like anyone technically ever fits 100% within the label, but I'd say agorist. Um, yeah, so agorist, uh, I mean, agorist, I, I mean, I still kind of go by ANCAP because it's almost like agorist is still like a a more specific version of ANCAP. So then you got agorist, ANCAP, anarchist, depending on who I'm talking to, you know, and what, what I'm trying to evoke. Like if I'm trying to piss off a, a boomer Republican, I'll probably say anarchist, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if, or, or if I'm not trying to, depending on what method I'm trying to go after, I won't go that I'll go with like voluntarist or something. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was a second part of that question. I kind of, kind of farted out and didn't, didn't what was the no. second part? Well, no, the, the second part is it's kind of it's asking the same question in two ways. It's how do you self-identify and then what schools of thought do you operate from? So I think you answered that with, yeah. you know, the idea of agorism, anarchism um, and ca- anarcho-capitalist, which we've taught, which we've definitely talked about on the show before. Um, and interestingly enough, missing from that, though, is the word libertarian. So let me tell you a second really quick about the schools of thought I operate from. I am a philosophical skeptic. I have always taken, uh, you know, I, I, philosophy is a great love of mine. I'm profoundly influenced by people like Friedrich Nietzsche and, um, you know, more, more recently, maybe like a Jordan Peterson, also Montaigne, who was a, um, who was a Renaissance era philosopher. And then I tend to have what I, and this is how I describe it as libertarian politics, uh, generally speaking. Now, you know, given, given the fact that we're a little bit more simpatico on the idea of like libertarianism, I am, uh, as a skeptic, I'm undecided on the minarchism anarchism question because that's more of a directional issue to me than it is than it is a statement of uh, than it is a statement of fact. I guess if that makes sense. Like, if I'm talking in anarchist circles, I might sound a little bit more like a minarchist. If I'm talking, but amongst the normies, as you as you point out, I am very much you know as close to the line as you could possibly be, and frankly, more so as the as the years go on. Um, I just think it's interesting the way people self-identify. And I think it's, it also feeds into this thing I call the paradox of identity, but we're the main reason why I wanted to have you on today was to talk about agorism. So what I'd like for you to do is, or what I'll do is I'll lay out agorism as best as I know how, and then you can correct me, add to it, um, maybe give a little bit more of the history because I don't know that as well. But we have a piece which is going to be linked to in the show notes, um, which was a early draft slash like support letter that um, it, it's Samuel Conkin, right? Yeah. SEK3. It was like the Samuel Edward Conkin third. Yeah. There you go. So that, that he had actually written to try to get a draft of this produced uh, of the book that eventually founded agorism, which I think is, which I think is fair to say. So essentially agorism is what in his words he would call it the complete application of freedom 
And it's a freedom that doesn't compromise in that it refuses to engage in politics because politics by its nature is trying to take freedom away from other people or trying to you know, exert your will over others. And, and he would consider it a paradox that um, he would consider it a paradox that you would try to gain political power to remove political power from people. So instead, he poses something he calls counter-economics, which I'm not exactly familiar with, uh, as a way to combat the, the standard economics. And as far as I understand what counter-economics is, it's all about trading outside of the state monetary system. So not engaging in commerce that has any core that has any attachment to uh, the U.S. government or governments in general, which might involve uh, barter, trade, or and I'm assuming these days using crypto. So how did how did I do? <laughs> I think you did a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, there's some minor things I could probably pick at. No, please um, do. Yeah, because yeah. I want I'd, I'd like to get a real as good of an idea for the people listening what agorism is because one thing I really like about it is is the fact that it takes a firm stance against politics and I do think that's something people need to think about right now and, yeah I, and like I, hear that message sorry uh yeah um the only thing which I don't necessarily mean if it was just a uh, phrasing thing or if you were implying uh because with the counter economics thing it sounded like you may have been may have been wrong it's this interpretation of what you're saying uh it sounded like you may have been implying that uh it's like one or the other like to be an agorist you have to essentially completely operate outside the state. Whereas mm. Konkin had, he, he went over it, he had different markets. He had the white market, he had the gray market, the black market, and the red market. So the white market would be shit that's completely on the up and up. So that'd be, um, I mean, that'd just be just operating under all the normal rules and stuff. The black market would be stuff that's just completely outside the system. You know, you're selling weed for you know, money or, or just for cash so that way the state can't track it or whatever. And then you have the gray market, which is like somewhere in between. It's kind of this like, um, for example, it's like if you had a cash business is a good example. It's like, I mean, let's be real. You're probably not reporting all that income if you have mm -hmm. a cash business because you're kind of a fucking idiot if you do. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who, who runs a cash business who would, without lying to you, tell you they report all of that income because that just would, would not make sense. I mean, right. I, I mean, you're just yeah. What waiter, what away. waiter, what waiter actually reports all the tips that they make, and that's come back. To, unfortunately, given the fact that government shut down the economy this year, that's actually come back to bite them because I've you know heard stories of people who were making well into six figures, I guess, bartending and serving at really nice restaurants, but none of that income was ever taxed, and so now when you're waiting for your government handout, it doesn't come. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And then the other one I mentioned was the red market, which the red market would be, this would be what, like, I guess what normies uh, position as being the black market. Cause you always hear when people talk about like a normie talks about the black market, they like make it sound like this big evil thing. So there, he, he kind of makes a distinction between like stuff that essentially stuff that aggresses against others. So something that doesn't abide by the NAP, which I'm sure you've probably talked about before. I haven't listened mm -hmm. to all your stuff, non-aggression uh, principle for those who don't know, just means, you know, you don't get to get to aggress against others. And so his thing was the red market would be that stuff that operates outside of the state that aggresses against others. And he's against that. The idea is that's not cool, not cool at all. Like that's the red market. So the, that's his distinctions. You the white market, the black market, red market, and the gray, which is in between red and white. So, and he even, he even was very clear in his books that he never said like, anyone should be necessarily straight up in, in the black or the white. Like, you shouldn't be one or the other. He actually kind of almost, it sounds like he's 
like I guess if you can, if you're able to capable of being in the black and you know, but he also he may, basically makes it like you should weigh your pros and cons. Like he because his whole thing is just kind of gaming the system in a sense that like uh like say you say you have a business that's operating outside the system to some degree and say you're skirting around taxes and you know that you may you you know because you know the tax code well or the or the penalties that you may incur you know you may get hit with a thousand dollar fine but you know your profits are going to be ten thousand dollars and in, from Konkin's perspective go for it because it's like if you get caught you are going to win out you just I mean, he would probably say maybe have a, some sort of slush fund for when you get, get screwed over, you know? So he wouldn't say don't engage. But at the same time, if you if your cons outweigh your pros, his idea is don't do it because that's dumb. Like, you're not doing anyone a favor by getting by screwing yourself over, you know? Mm-hmm. So. But, it does, it, but it does center around the idea of trying to remove yourself from the, maybe let's call it the mainstream economic system as much as, as, much as possible. Would I have that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think it's just idea. So you're not doing any, you're not helping anyone out if you're, uh, if you're in the clink, or if you're, if you're like, essentially economically screwing yourself over, you're, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, thus not really being able to move towards the Agora, which was his idea of the Agora, the uh, agorist revolution, which was the peaceful revolution. <laughs> okay, so that's what he means by it. Because yeah. when I hear Agora, I think, well, Agora means like market, and it means open market. Um, they, they were very, I, you know, I've, I've actually, I've actually walked in the Agora in Athens. So that's kind of where it traces to for me, but he, he considers that to be the revolution. Uh, okay. I kind of blurred terms there. Uh, no, for ag- sure. Well, and that's, and that, yeah. yeah, like, like yeah. I said, I have just, what I said is exactly what I know about agorism. So feel free to feel free to fill in the blanks wherever possible. But I, I kind of, I got hung up on that cause I heard another interview that you did talking about agorism and that's what made me reach out. Because it was just kind of, it's, I don't know. Well, it's just, it's interesting the words people use and like where they come from and how you redefine them. Yeah, no, it's just distinct. He did, he does talk about Agora and for him, the Agora was just the market. Mm. And I I guess the way he saw it is that the market should be unimpeded by the government. Mm. And so, and I mean, I guess, I mean that he doesn't really shit on people operate in the gray or really even people who operate in the white. He just thinks you should do the greatest degree you can operate outside the system. So he just considers the Agora the market and the market, the pure Agora is the one that's unimpeded by the government essentially, or by coercion to be more specific. So mm-hmm. not even necessarily government, just coercion in general. Um, so, cause he also is against the red market. So even, even if you're outside the government doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. Right. So just a coercion in general is what he's trying to get away from. Uh, and the agorist revolution was a concept he had that he had in, I can't remember if it's NLM. I think it's the first book. I want to say it's NLM. Uh, the New Libertarian Manifesto, which is his first book. Uh, mm-hmm. He had two books, so people know. He had the New Libertarian Manifesto and Agorist Primer. You probably should read them in the, uh, that order because that's when they came out. And so most people would advocate for in that order. I mean, I don't know if it necessarily makes a difference. But in the NLM, he goes big into kind of his concept of how he thinks, you know, utilizing agorism would would affect, um, how do I say, uh, uh, just affect things going forward. And his idea was the idea of the Agorist Revolution, and it was a peaceful revolution. And he kind of goes into how in Soviet Russia that like he, one thing he brings up a lot is how, how much of the economy was black market. And that was the only thing to some extent keeping it afloat. And it's actually kind of what put it under. Cause I mean, you know, like you operate within the black market so much. And after a while, it's just like their, their government is just nothing. And that's kind mm-hmm. of why you see, 
I'm mean, kind of talking my ass a little bit here because I'm not a super like, historical guy. So, <laughs> and well, I'm, but no, but you bring up a great point. And in yeah. fact, we have a modern day example in Venezuela, right? Which is the fact that the Venezuelan people have been using, they use the electrical grid to mine Bitcoin and then to buy toilet paper on Amazon with that Bitcoin so it would get delivered to them. And there is a huge black market where, you know, they'll put the price for the toilet paper or whatever good it is on the shelf, but um, but everybody knows that there's more being done on the black market. And usually what leads to this, it's slightly different in Venezuela than it would have been in the Soviet Union. Um, but with the Soviet Union, there was no prices. And I know Konkin was a fan of Mises. I'm a huge fan of Mises and the entire Austrian school of economics. And one thing you learn when you start down the road of learning Austrian economics is how fundamental prices are and the fact that people should be able to set prices are non -ar or as arbitrarily as they want, I suppose would be the way of, of putting it, and not having that done through a central command. So in the Soviet Union, it became it, it, it was literally more profitable to operate as, an, as a member of the black market in the mafia or even, or even just as a standard citizen than it was to operate with the Politburo because they couldn't keep goods in stock. So no, it's, it's, an, it's an entirely accurate point. And it tends to be the case in, in states in North Korea, there's a huge black market in prison. Any area, I think this is an, so there's, this is something I'm drawing from this is the idea of anywhere where the state is coming down on people and saying that they can't trade, maybe, and, and tell me if this is along the line of his point, the black market is the necessary answer to that. And in fact, is oftentimes people's salvation, right? Bastiat had, uh, Bastiat had uh, got in trouble for singing songs that praised looters in, um, in, in, in uh, revolutionary France. And of course, the pirates were originally commissioned by the queen. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, actually, that's a really good example of Venezuela. I didn't I guess I wasn't as aware. I knew that their place is going to shit, but I, I didn't know that they were using Bitcoin and stuff. But that completely makes sense. Like, yeah, that's the black market completely picks up the slack. And then eventually, essentially, I mean, some people make the case that it is allows the, the, the government to go on to an extent, like holding it afloat. But um, I would say it more like undermines it because it kind of undermines the whole economic system. But yeah, you're, you're totally right. It, it just completely fucks it over. And that's kind of the point that he was getting at with that, that he brought. And he used Soviet Russia as, as a good example of that, that just like the black market kind of is more efficient. It kind of eventually becomes what people need to use. And after a while you get to a point where the government serves no purpose to an extent, you know? Yeah. And you know, we did, we did see an example of that with the Soviet union and who knows how close we are here in the United States. Um, so well, yeah, I meant to go into that a little bit because it's a point, because <laughs> it's like, that's another thing. That's kind of why agorism I think has gained so much popularity with everything going on that it's like um, people see great change on the horizon. And um, if you look at, I mean, there's, I mean, I think most people are kind of fear that we might go full on authoritarian to some extent. And I mean, not that we aren't to some extent already. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending on how yeah. you look at it. And but, I guess for um, context, cause I'm not sure exactly when I should hopefully release it this weekend, but we are recording this episode on the 11th of January. So just a few days removed from the 6th. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it could be full on in Kapistan by the time it's released. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, but it's, it's possible, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, uh, chances are we'll probably be in a very similar situation to whatever's going on. Um, but yeah, um, no, with everything going on, I think a lot of people are worried about going full on authoritarian. And so I think people are looking for ways forward. And a lot of people are looking at like, you know, politics is because that's one, one example. But I, I think a lot of people are also looking at agorism. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the thing is, you need to set yourself up the future. And if you look at full-on authoritarian states, the people who thrive are the ones who engage in the agora. And yeah. I, 
I think it's about setting up networks for this and, you know, being, you know, kind of dipping and dodging around the state and figuring ways to be able to keep afloat, you know? Yeah. So I like the fact that you, um, that you didn't make it like a, a very dramatic binary that either you must be in the white or the black or in the gray. And, um, cause certainly I'm, and I'm sure there are people who would argue in the agorist community that no, man, you gotta be a hundred percent in anything you do and everything, anything that you do that's taxed by the government is supporting a system of theft. But I I'm a libertarian, but I don't I'm trying to speak, I'm trying to speak to a, as wide an audience as I can. So it's sometimes important for us to maybe like take a few steps with them for a little bit and try to try to approach it from a, from a different perspective. Cause one thing when I was reading it though, uh, when I was reading those few pages, and again, you can read those, was he talked about the libertarian compromise. And I think this is a really interesting issue to bring up, um, given the context of the last couple of weeks, because freedom-minded people, you know, there is certainly there is some certainly something to the idea of freedom, which is kind of, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to find people that want to do the thing with me, and we're going to do it ourselves, and damn society, damn civilization, uh, you know, as long as I can survive, as long as I can take care of mine, then, you know, that's, that's my freedom. And I, and I respect that. I really, really do. And in many ways, I identify with that. And there's a correlation to skepticism that we can get into. But he talked about how libertarianism ultimately compromised, and he would have been writing this in the 80s or 70s, in that they engage in the political system. And under his argument, the way he put it was essentially that well, if you're trying to engage in political power to remove political power, you're kind of fighting a losing battle and you're legitimizing the type of violence that that libertarians and, you know, he, he used the word he, he talked about that agorism was a refusal to sell out. And again, this was a pitch letter. Right. So I you know, we can we can excuse a good writer because I, I do writing on binawake.com and I think it's important to try and paint a picture for the people reading, but there was, there's definitely that tension in there. Would you say in, within the movement of people who are maybe willing to go a little bit more, or just, it, is it always about rejecting politics? Does it start there? Or is it more about here are the steps or, or as there great gradations within that? Would you say? Oh, are, you, are you trying to imp in, essentially imply that maybe he had a similar black, gray, and white market approach to politics? Is that what you're getting at? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I, I think, I think people are faced with a question right now of, do I, do you, and, and certainly I am, frankly, I'll be honest with you. You know, I started this show to try and help people make better sense of things. And there's a part of me that's considering maybe even not, not, not running for office, but operating and trying to help within the LP. So this is something that I'm personally struggling with because I've always been somebody who says it's better for me to have a show like this to talk about ideas because I agree you are compromising something when you try to run for office and you're trying to run or even trying to operate in the political sphere. So what about, I guess, so maybe, maybe this is a better question. What about agorism when you discovered it? You know, I'm assuming, like you said, you used to be more of a anarcho-capitalist and ANCAP. Um, what about what about it attracted you to this to, to this very specific thing of saying, hey, we're we're not interested in the political system? I mean, to clarify, I would argue I would still consider myself an ANCAP. I think the difference between ANCAPs and agorism is just a matter of tactics. Sure. So I pretty okay. much have all this. I mean, there's minor disagreements because I do think uh, Again, mine is a, mine my... is mine's not a heavy liber. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of libertarians will listen to this, but mine's not a heavy libertarian arguments uh, audience, I would say. So, okay. yeah. So, 
but 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 fair enough i, I but yeah. keep going sorry to to be fair i mean to for your audience not to backtrack too much but to make it a little more clear anarcho-capitalists i'm going to do a little bit of definition those are people who believe in anarchy and believe that the ideal situation would be no government and they think the economic system that would would thrive would be capitalism which is just you know hey i have an apple i will here's five, it's give me five bucks you can have My the apple app. or whatever private property rights yeah and then property rights as well um Konkin differentiates a tiny bit in that he kind of i think incaps tend to have a very uh much a love for corporations where he does Konkin goes more into how corporations are essentially bastardized versions of of the uh economy um due to the government due to the uh, kickbacks they get and such so he was very anti he was very pro entrepreneur and very anti-corporation and that's kind of where he was and i think i think some ancaps get that differentiation because it's kind of like one of those things that like once you think about it more it kind of makes more sense but anyways yeah not to digress a little i'll go into your politics question i just want to because you'd say no, your audience no. open yeah. form keep going oh my god my cat's being fucking nuts i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah um I normally try to kick him out, but you know, didn't work out this time. Uh, <laughs> uh, motherfucker, he's being crazy. All right. Anyways, yeah, this is great, great, great audio for everyone listening. Uh, <laughs> but no, we'll go into the, the politics question. I, um, the way I would put it is, I mean, I think Konkin kind of goes into that it's not principled, and I don't. I'm still, I'm still torn on that, and whether it's principled or not principled to engage it, because I think. I mean, I'm torn. I think it's probably technically possible to be principled because I kind of take Spooner's approach where Spooner mm. kind of had the, I don't know if you ever read Spooner, but he yeah, had, Lysander Spooner, yeah. Uh, Constitution of No Authority. Yeah, yeah he mm. brought up the argument of voting and he brought up the, uh, the voting from self-defense. And I think that's legit. And personally, I mean, I think I would, Konkin may differ from me in that opinion. So this is probably one of the places where I kind of stray from agorism a little bit. But even then, because I'm more just talking about from uh, being principled or being, you know, consistent in your principles you know uh, i think it's you probably can be consistent it's just a matter of tactics because i don't think i think it's just my thing is i think you're thinking short term mm. you know i think if you if you look at it and you're like this vote you know i gotta go vote this vote to protect myself i think you're thinking short term so i think you're feeding into a system that is just going to fuck you over in the end um so you would argue in that in that if i'm understanding correctly that by politics you mean the act of like participating in what 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 people would call democracy is it and is that a belief or and, and it would probably be more the belief of it than the act itself right it's this uh, it, i think that and, and, and not for Konkin, but just for you if it's easier to answer that way for sure yeah i mean i think i, I don't know exactly i can't recall exactly where Konkin may fall on that but I think for me, I would say that, um, yeah, I don't, sorry, you want to say that question again? I kind of, it's kind of a brain, brain, brain. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. No, well, it's, I, so what I'm kind of, well, it, the way you were talking about politics, you were saying that like, if your vote means something. So I guess, and this, cause you know, what politics is, is kind of a question, um, is, 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 so is politics. And then specifically in this, is it more about believing that your vote does something or is it your vote or is it actually voting uh i mean i, was, I think it would be like both i think okay. both are, are negatives i mean if you believe your vote does a damn thing i think you're a little bit delusional mm -hmm. um i would agree so that would be for one there's the argument of like why if your, your vote probably doesn't really mean anything anyways mm -hmm. so why even feed into the system yeah. um 
I mean, sure, you make the argument that if you get enough people together, but then I think you're just feeding into the system. So like even even just being another tally mark is just another tally mark, another statistic of how many people are feeding into the system. Mm -hmm. I mean, eventually you're going to get to a point where if we have enough people not voting, it's like, what are we even doing here? So, I mean, that's kind of the way I look at it. But so, so that's the those are the tactics you're talking about. It's it's less the um, it's less like it's less about people who want to participate, but it's more or and you know, correct me where I'm wrong, but but it's more of a it's more of refusing to play the game, right? So it's like it's not that it's not that I care what's happening. It's that I'm going to, I'm taking a stand and saying, I'm not going to participate in it. Yeah. To some extent, I think so. I, I also just think in general, um, I think politics is a losing game. Like for example, I'll, I'll bring up, I mean, I don't know how many people, you said your audience is a little bit different. I'll bring up a uh, libertarian, like kind of LP politics right now. A sure. lot of people who are involved in LP, a lot of people don't really like the LP. I'm not going to lie. Part of what kind of drove me away from the LP was jo Jojo. Like I, I kind of got really frustrated with her message and it just kind of really turned me off. Mm -hmm. She just was really ineffectual. And that's kind of around the time I read Agorism. It's just like with everything going on, I just can't believe they didn't capitalize on the, the craziness that was going on to have an effectual message. Um, and yeah, right now we're having a reinsurgence in the LP of the LPMC. I don't know if you follow that stuff where- yep. uh, that, that the would be the Liberty, Libertarian Par Party Mises Caucus. Yeah, and they are. I'm not gonna. Get, I'm not gonna lie. That you listen to their message, they are fucking on point. Like mm -hmm. you listen to everything they say, they are on point. They are fucking lighting people up. They are. They're talking about taking a takeover of the, the LP, and I think they're gonna do it. I think they're gonna take over the LP, and a lot of people are all butthurt and say they're not going to. I think they're totally gonna do it. I see the energy there. They are giving a good message of liberty, kind of almost a more radical Ron Paul type approach. It, it's one of the reasons, it's one of the reasons why I'm thinking I'm not, not necessarily to join as part of the caucus. Cause I have, I have issues with caucusing and being part of organizations. Cause again, that sacrifice of, of, of autonomy, which is really important to me and really important to the, I think the development of like good thought is as soon as you're part, as soon as you're playing, as, if, as soon as you're playing as part of a team, now you're concerned with what other people do. Like my, my, my newsletter is all done by me. Five days a week, you know, extra, the extra stuff that I'm doing on the weekends interview like this, I'm a one man operation, hopefully more in the future, but it's, it, you know, you sacrifice something when you caucus, but I, again, I like the messaging and I like the idea of, I like, the, I, I like the idea of having a, um, I like the idea of having a good message, like the types of ideas that we're talking about, because the reality is we probably agree on more things than we disagree about. But this message of freedom and liberty and like a real sense, because here we are sitting about talking about the LP and what are we talking about? 10,000 votes, right? Like a million, like maybe a few million people. Uh, the liberty movement is maybe a little bit broader than that, but you're also talking about constitutional conservatives in that mix and, you know, a little bit more and, you know, maybe some old school blue dog, you know, Democrat types who are still Democrat because their daddy was a Democrat. I don't know. And so it's like, we're talking, we're always talking about this microcosm. And I think sometimes there's this, there's, it's forgetting what else is out there and how other people are really interacting with this thing. But the point is, it would be, it, I, I think it's important to have a message of liberty actually mean something and like it or not. And this is the thing that I can't escape because I like the idea of moving the conversation beyond politics. I really, really do but that doesn't stop everybody I meet from putting me in the political box, right? It doesn't matter how often I want to talk about culture or music or art. Um, it, this particular area of philosophy has always interested in me. 
interested me, like political philosophy. And as a result, I've kind of been, you know, it, it, I, I get dragged into the political game. So I think it, it's given that we're talking about so such a small group of people standing apart from society, where does the growth come in? The, the growth. Um, like, how do you spread, how do you spread the message? I guess. I, I don't know. This is, this is a very open-ended question. Uh, how do you spread the message? I think, I mean, I, I guess that's a good question. I, I kind of challenge my thinking a little bit. I mean, for growth specifically from an agorist perspective, I, I don't know if we would be as concerned about growth. And so I think it's more like lead by example type thing. And if you do, you do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the whole idea of the remnant, you know, you, you, you know, like I'm sure you've heard the idea of the remnant of like, a, um, I don't even remember where that originates from. I want to say it was a fucking. Uh, um, Jay Nock, Alfred Jay Yeah, Nock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was about to say, I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> did my yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was a knock thing and the idea of the remnant and the, uh, that you know you just have the message and people will come and it's kind of like maybe you draw in other people maybe you don't i think there is probably some aspect that some people just aren't there and i mean as much as we make fun of three percenters you know and stuff like that there's there's something to that that like mm -hmm. it doesn't take much people to you know to move the overton window which i mean i was actually going to mention that when you were talking about the lpmc i actually to come to their defense in a, in a sense you were talking about how small they were or are um you know if you really put it in scope, uh, I don't think it takes much. I just think engaging in the political system kind of just undermines what you're going for. Mm -hmm. So, cause like I was, the point I was getting at before where I was bringing up the LPMC is right now they're setting people on fire right now. And then the, to some extent that's good. I think you probably are getting a lot of people thinking about this stuff, but I think also you are building up a platform that's inevitably going to be used against you later. Because you look at the, I mean, some people might be upset that I'm bringing this, but like the Sarwak types or Sarwak or who the hell you say his name. Yeah, Nick Sarwak. Uh, he is yeah. the sitting chair of the Libertarian Party. He was. He's not anymore. I don't remember who is now. Okay. But essentially those types, those right. like blue-pilled, like essentially still embroiled in the cathedral, you know, just very, you know, like, you know, like if you've like, I mean, obviously this is a little bit timely, so I don't know when you're releasing this, but like say with this whole capital attack that recently happened and you see all the people that like, how the LP responded and immediately were like, oh my, like clutching pearls, which don't get me wrong, you could probably make a case about as bad, but they were, were they at with the BLM riots? But they it's were a question of, quiet. but I think, but I think, I think with the point you're driving at, and it's a point I agree with, and I said this on my show last week, um, it, I can sit here and say that was a really dumb thing from a tactical perspective. Uh, I think I just, I just saw Tim Pool again, this is recorded on the 11th. Um, I just saw Tim Poole put out a video talking about how the Capitol Police requested backup 22 times and it didn't come. So I got to do a little bit more digging on that. But I was saying I was saying that in private and now I'll say it in public of there was a breakdown of security here. And it and to the question of whether it was intentional is not something that will ever be adjudicated outside of inside of the corporate press, because that's not what we're living through right now. We're living through an ancient religious ritual. Um, basically, we're living through this. We're living through a scapegoat. Uh, a, a scapegoating ritual and Donald Trump is going to become the scapegoat for American racism. And anybody who agrees with Donald Trump and who will still stand by him in the future will be by everybody in polite society known and called a racist. Now you and I don't really care about that because we're not in, we're not interested in him and we're not interested in the type of politics that he's talking about, but there's a lot of people who are completely untethered from reality right now. And 
I'm a little off track from wherever we were before, but <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember what I was leading up to. I'll be honest with you. Um, well, but we can, we can back it up. I, I was kind of getting into what I was getting at with how that the LPMC, like say with the LPMC, where they have this great ah, message. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. So, talking. but it's, but, but you can toe the line. And I think, and, and I've argued for years and, if if the elp if libertarianism is going to be anything and if it's going to be a select su- successful political movement which i'm not sure is possible technically speaking i i would ag- i would probably agree with that without at the outset you have to build a coalition that necessarily means leaving libertarianism behind um that doesn't mean you shouldn't walk the line in your messaging and and i said it was a dumb move but you know what it's better than it, i don't care it's better than it's better than going after a target if you loot, if you break into a liquor store and, or a gas station, I, yes, you, yes, you've broken private property and that's, no, you've broken private property. That's a horrible thing. If you go into a state house, that's where you're supposed to go. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Illinois. This is a very mask heavy state. And you have these 50 year olds who are bragging about the fact that somebody got kicked out of a grocery store. And this was a piece I wrote a couple of weeks ago. And I said, Go to the city hall, go to your police station. Don't let some 16 year old, don't force some 16 year old to yell at you, 50 year old man. You're not brave for not wearing your mask inside of a restaurant or inside of a grocery store. I don't know exactly where you fall in it. I'm not a fan of wearing masks, but again, kind of where I am necessitates some kind of compliance, if not, if not complete and total compliance. But I think we would agree with that spirit of they're the, the government is the one causing this problem. And so too with so too with protests and rioting. The government is the seat of power. Why wouldn't you take it to the power? Now they were stupid to do it because you you invaded, you broke into the federal capitol building while Congress was in session. Like, for the love of God, people, why weren't why weren't we thinking? And of course, I think this is probably another tenet that agorism would would agree with is the aversion to the mob in and of itself, which is kind of what you're doing by removing yourself from the system and operating in the black or the gray market is you're you're removing yourself from the tyranny of the mob really that we've been living under. Yeah. To an extent. I mean, just to back up, I am in Florida. So uh, just so so people understand, I've I've brought this up before. So although like pretty much the state has no mask mandates, but a lot of private businesses do. And I'll be honest, I pretty much don't wear it other than a few select places. I mean, I've actually never been asked to put it on, but if I was, I would politely is unless they're, I mean, if they're being an asshole about it, then I might be a dick back. But if they politely were like, sir, you have to wear your mask in here. I'd be like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, my bad. Cause, but like, aside from that, like I'm, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And because it's like, you, and it's kind of honestly how it is. And it's like, I'm not really being an asshole by doing that. Cause if you, if you were in Florida, you would see that most places like they have the signs up and oh, yeah. probably at least 30% to 75%, depending on the location of people don't. And no when, one cares. It's just when a I'm formality. In rural Michigan, rural Iowa. It's yeah. it's a suggestion, and I respect yes. that. You know, I understand. I understand why they're trying to comply. Right, that's the burden of a businessman, mm-hmm. um, in many respects. But you know, I was uh, I went to get coffee, and my my. So this might this is probably going to sound really foreign to you, but this is what we're this is what I'm living with in Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, because I, I have to wear it for work sometimes, and you know that is what it is. But basically what I do, and this is my little secret, is I never cover my nose. Um, I've done it twice when somebody's asked me to, once because I was on a coffee date, 
So I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to seem like an ass to the girl. And then of course she didn't want to hang out again. So I probably should have just done it anyway. And like actually stood up for something because I kid you not, the girl was wearing a mask behind the counter. That's just, this is a complete diversion, but I think it's, but I think you should understand what we're living through up here. And other people should really think about how crazy this is. I'm sitting in a restaurant. I'm going, I'm getting coffee. I'm in the store for 10, 10 minutes tops. And girl behind the counter um, is wearing a mask over her mouth. You know, the whole, the whole nine yards, there is two inch plexiglass or whatever between us. And she tells me, sir, could you pull your mask up over your nose? If anybody within the sound of my voice doesn't understand that that is programming and not logic and not human reason, then go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you come back, listen to the show, listen to the, listen to the stuff I'm putting out because I'm going to help you get to a better understanding of the world. And part of that is recognizing programming when it happens. The idea that I should, that I should cover, that I have to cover my nose of all things because heaven forbid the air particles that are blowing down somehow bounce off the ground and go into you and get you sick, even though I've, I've not been sick. That, and then the other time was at a dispensary and I really, you know, it was kind of busy. So I, I've compromised myself a couple of times, but that, that's the compromise you have to make in a state like Illinois right now. Is basically, I'm like, I feel free when I don't cover up my nose and how ridiculous is that? Sorry, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, that was a huge case. rant. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that, that's kind of the case even there, here a little bit. I mean, like I said, there are spots where you kind of got to wear them. But I mean, it's definitely way more lax in Florida. I mean, I, I also like even where I say I kind of get to wear it sometimes I kind of live in like a semi retirement area. So that's kind of why I do a lot of times just because there's mm -hmm. a lot of old people and it just really it's kind of almost a cultural thing. I don't feel like business wise I have to and we're just doing it for the peace of mind of the old people there. Yeah. And to be fair, even from a COVID perspective, they are the ones that you kind of got to be concerned about. So, right. I yeah. think, I think there's, there's certainly that again, I'm talking about the, these, this is the line and this is what, as, you know, as libertarians, as agorists, as ANCAPs, as people who believe in freedom as both a cultural attitude and a, let's argue political or apolitical reality, right. Um, is it, you have to, you, you have to accept the fact that you can't force people to do things, but that doesn't mean you have to be a dick about it. And there's, there's this fine line that we can walk by saying, you know what? Yeah. I live in a retirement community. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to put it on so that people don't feel, feel ill at ease. Right. Like if I'm walking in the city of Chicago, I, I won't put one on outside, even though everybody is, it's, it's a strange thing, man. I, have, I don't know if you've experienced this. Maybe you have just walking around knowing that you're the only person not wearing one and looking at the way people react to you. It's um, it's very alienating. And I certainly, uh, you know, you certainly kind of understand you, you understand, you have a greater appreciation for what it means to be an outsider in society when you, when you experience something like that. Yeah. I mean, we kind of have the opposite experience in Florida. Like if you're outside and not in a business and you're wearing a mask, it's kind of look at that fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, some people do it in a business, but it's like, depending on the business, I mean, like the more corporate the business is, the more likely people are to like do it. Cause there is that like, you know, I mean, I guess the more corporate is, the more they probably have people pushing down from the top. Like, Hey, you got to implement this, but in like mom, mom, pop places, like it's not happening. It's just mm -hmm. not happening. Period. Like there's yeah. probably like 80% of people aren't wearing masks in there. <laughs> well, let's, let's stay on the idea of corporatism for a minute. <laughs> cause it, cause this relates back to agorism and this is a really, uh, I think, I think it's a great point. And I think I probably would have been one of those libertarian, 
you know, maybe even back when I was more Republican, when I was like 18, 19 years old types of, well, you know, obviously corporations are the greatest manifestation of capitalism in existence, right? It's, it's this, it's this love for the corporation and this love for big business. I think certainly I have become, and I, I put it in a slightly different context. I certainly, I have become far more wary and far more understanding of the dangers of corporate power over the last few years. And, you know, if we're talking a more gen pop, a more gen pop type of argument, you know, this is a very, usually that's picked up by like the left wing, right? You don't hear people who are not leftists, you know, maybe centrist or on the right. They don't tend to criticize corporations, but certainly as it, you know, at the beginning of this with the lockdowns, it was apparent. Then with the mask, like you just pointed out, the corporations are the ones with the greatest mask enforcement because they have the capacity to and the power to. But then also with the woke corporatism, right? Because there's like, we, we talk about, that's, that's what it is. Woke, wokeism isn't some revolutionary movement. It's a corporate movement that's designed to keep the masses asleep. I, I, am, I am done. I am done pussyfooting around this argument. If you're somebody who believes that everything is reducible to racism, you are a victim of corporate programming because it's a hell of a lot easier for you to sit there and blame somebody of a different skin color than it is for you to realize that these corporations are the ones that are, that are completely screwing everything up and they're completely screwing people over. And, 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 and I'm supposed, but I'm supposed to believe that Nike cares about black lives. I'm supposed to believe that. And maybe they do care about black lives, but they sure as shit don't care about Asian lives. So I, it's the hip it's, 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 it's going to put me in, it's going to put, this is going to put me in hot water over time as I'm sure you can well appreciate, but I'm so tired of people making the argument. And the fact that after the six, that's where everybody jumped to is just more reason I think for pe for people to do that. And to bring it back again to politics is the LP is the LP standing up like that. Fuck no. Cause they're not, cause they don't want to. And because they're not willing to actually walk a line that matters as it relates to freedom. No, not to once again piss off people because this is a Yarvin concept and he's not really much of a libertarian, but I think he has some interesting concepts to contribute to just philosophy in general. And that is uh, Curtis Yarvin, a.k.a. Yeah. Mencius Molebug, who I think is a fascinating thinker. And I, that's why I mean, like, I, I, you know, I love libertarian theory, but I am a philosophy lover first and foremost. So I'm all about different thinkers and different ways of viewing the world. So go for it. I just wanted to. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I was just getting at that. They don't want to butt against the cathedral. But yes, no, just to go back a little bit. Yarvin is. That's one thing you get butthurt when you bring up Yarvin, because I mean, honestly, I honestly don't even really know the things I get upset about because I don't really care because mm -hmm. I just listen to what he has to say. If he ever comes out and says, you know, something crazy and racist or whatever, I mean, I might hear him out, but I'm probably going to disagree with him because I don't, I don't right. really, I, I, I'm not one to get triggered like that. If, cause if I can't listen to an argument and be like, this is why X, Y, and Z is why it's wrong. It's kind of like just a simple fact that they brought up a no, no word or whatever. isn't going to, isn't going to scare me away. I'm going to listen to their argument. I mean, it, it almost like, it's like this weird thing where people get upset. It's like, are you just worried they're going to make it a good argument? What, what are you concerned about? Like, well, like, so the, uh, <laughs> you know, this is what I call programming. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, 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 it's in conjunction with the NPC meme, but honestly, I was using it. I, I was using it way before that. And of course there's always been this idea of you're trying to deprogram yourself from like, from, from standard, from standard ideologies. Um, one thing I always encourage people to think about and to talk about, and, and I know this might sound silly, but it's an important thing to, cause I I've tried to, I've tried to appreciate people who aren't, who aren't in this space. And I try to talk to them from this standpoint, which is to say, we're not on, people want politics to be a binary and, and politicians want that. 
And so, and, you know, and so do corporations and the connected, they want it to be a zero or a one option. And for people who are disagreeing with us right now in that they're listening, they're probably putting us, they're putting themselves in zero and they're putting us in one, but we're not zero or one. We're like 15. We're like, we're like 33.2. It's, it's not, it's not a, it's not an either or thing or is an inclusive word and an exclusive word. Um, and it's really important that it's really important that people kind of latch onto that because, uh, because what I just said will basically mean that for the stand, the person who's listening to the standard doctrine and who has the programming that we're kind of talking about where you say no, no words, or you say that you don't say things in the proper, in the proper context. Now I am, I happen to be adept enough to where I, you know, I, I often get called a trickster when I argue with socialists because they think I'm trying to confuse them when in reality, you can just use words in such a way that people, uh, that, that people don't understand what you're saying because, because you're not fitting into the boxes that they want you to fit in. And that was something that Plato Socrates did very, very well. And it's something I try to emulate. And there's really no point to what I'm saying, but feel free to feel feel free to respond however you feel. No, you're good. I like I liked it. It was a good rant. Uh, but yeah, no, the point I was getting at with Yarvin, I mean, not to get too off track, because I just I feel like especially where you probably have more of a normie audience, I'm assuming a little mm -hmm. bit, maybe yeah. I don't know, more more skeptic, more kind of, I don't know, not so much libertarian. I was just kind of, I feel like sometimes you get call a caveat it small. your talks. Huh? <laughs> I'd call it small. Yeah. Hey, you <laughs> but know, growing, I mean, but I'm growing. Small too. So yeah. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I feel like I got a caveat for people listening so they know, like, me saying I like listening or hearing Yarvin's ideas does not mean I agree with everything he says. If anything, I probably agree with a large portion of what he says. I just like the way he thinks. You, like, listening yeah. to him spout and his just, like, going on, it's almost like you're listening to the – I think how the most his brain is I working. I don't think he said – he says anything – controversial about race which is usually the hot button issue in these in these sorts of things i think it has to do with the fact that he will talk he he, he is very against democracy and i i feel very comfortable saying i'm against democracy because i'm in the company with the founding fathers okay mr Const mr i'm going to drape myself in the constitution and the american flag you know <laughs> the leftist is already the le that ship has already sailed for the leftist so it doesn't matter but you know, the founders didn't like democracy. It wasn't the king that oppressed the American colonies. It was the freaking parliament. Like this idea, as, I'm, as you well know, this idea that that 51% of people make something moral is just a lie that we need to dissuade ourselves of. And if I can convince people of anything, it's to not care if people say we're worried about the sanctity of democracy. There's nothing, sancti there's nothing sanctimonious about democracy. It's, you know, it's, it's this ritual that we're participating in. And this, this feeds back into what I was saying about Donald Trump earlier. There's so much ritualism and, and dogmatism and religiosity in these, in these ideas that it's kind of, it's, it's actually terrifying a little bit when you, when you're so outside of it and the fact that it's getting pushed so hard right now. And if people can hear it, maybe we're confusing them just enough to make them want to read something like Samuel Konkin's book or, you know, human action by Ludwig von Mises and try to understand a better way of looking at the world. And that's, and that's all I'm, that's all that I really think we can ever try to do. And so that's all I try to do on this show is, is, is to offer like, is to offer a different perspective, but I'll read. So let's go, let's go back to agorism for a second. Cause I wanted to read the, um, so, so much fun to go on the sides though. <laughs> <laughs> it is no. And this is what makes for a good conversation, but what, like, so, and if, it, it, what can you tell me about counter economics? 
Like, what does it mean in that? It, like, what does it mean to operate within counter economics? I mean, I feel like we kind of went into a little bit already. It's kind of the white, the gray, and the black. And okay. it's to operate to the furthest extent you possibly can, you know, comfortably. Because, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, uh, I engage in agorism, but I'm probably, I don't, like, for example, uh, I'm a, I kind of told you beforehand, and I've told my audience many times, I'm an idiot when it comes to tech. I, I'm not a tech. I'm a mechanic by trade. I'm mm-hmm. not a tech guy. I, I really need to find at one point, sit down, like really even just doing a podcast. I've kind of had to like learn as I go, like a lot of tech stuff, which, and even that I've been kind of going the user-friendly route the whole way through. And even then it's been difficult for me. The point I'm getting at, I don't even have crypto. So like, and I need yeah. to, I know, I know I completely agree with the, the, the concept of it. It's just that I'm just as a daunting thing for me, not being a tech guy, but there are other ways to engage and I do it to the best of my abilities. I'm not like, that's like, like I'm, kind of went into the whole idea of the gray and that like i'm not like all the way up and up an agorist like i have like like in the sense of i'm not like 100 percent the black market or whatever i mean i i do it to the most extent that i can feasibly in my current situation like mm-hmm. i have a, a side gig that uh you know for legal reasons is a joke but you know like i may or may not fucking you know report that income <laughs> yeah right right yeah yeah and um, um what was your first what was the first step for you as far as that, like saying, okay, or was it more, or was it more along, you know, there's this, there's this argument in anarchist circles that I find very, very compelling, which is the, you know, how does anarchy work? Well, anarchy is 99% of your interactions. This interaction right now is by definition anarchist because neither of us is ruling over the other. There's no state compelling us to, there's no state compelling us to interact and to communicate. So, or it, so was it more that, okay, no, I read agorism and I, okay, I'm going to, so I'm going to start doing this. So I'm operating more in the gray market or was it, was it something like, oh, I've kind of already been doing this stuff because again, like I don't report my tips. I don't, you know, I don't report this income or these, this winnings from poker night with the boys or whatever. But you kind of bring in, I don't even know if you intentionally did it. Cause I mean, you said you only, re- you haven't read all of Conkin, so you probably only read the introduction. So I don't know if you went into it, but one thing Conkin goes into it's it's not necessarily because he kind of makes the, the case that you should pull from two groups. So you should pull from the philosophical people who are kind of where you're at. So libertarians. Mm-hmm. And then you should also pull from people who are already engaging in the black market or mm-hmm. the gray market, if you will. So whether it be people who go to flea markets or whether it be people who sell drugs, you should pull from them. So you find people who are already engaging it. So it's not one or the other. So there are people who are philosophically basically there that just haven't really you know, gone, they haven't really actually started implementing counter-economics. And there's the opposite of people who are implementing counter-economics, but mostly probably out of an economic need and, but they don't really philosophically aren't there. And so you're kind of going from both ends. And I was kind of in a situation for example, my, my counter-economic little business that I have, um, it kind of bore itself out before. I mean, I was already kind of like basically libertarian at the time. I was a little bit more milk toast at the time. But my wife started having seizures and my wife's an epileptic. And um, like uh, around that time, and my wife was worried she wasn't, we weren't going to be able to balance things and keep her job. So we started, started uh, doing this other thing. I mean, for people who follow my stuff, uh, it's going to be, you'll find out. It's something that uh, I talked to James Gentleman about here, Sam. But I mean, not to go off on a side, I don't want to go in a whole deep thing of my sure. other business. Uh, and it's also probably good for Fed reasons to be vague. But <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but anyways, we kind of slowly started investing in that because we were worried she may lose her job. And so we were just, it was a matter of like, you know, like we kind of got a, you know, hedge our bet type deal. 
luckily she was able to keep her job, but then, then we end up having this growing side business. And now here we are where we have a pretty decent sized side business. And yeah, so they kind of grew. And then I actually found out about agorism after the fact, which is kind of cool because then it kind of, we always would talk about like, Hey, going legit and stuff, even as a libertarian. And now me as an agorist, I'm kind of like, eh, fuck that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> if you can make money. So that's really cool. I was or not even know. fuck that. Maybe, maybe we might get to a point where it's like, not necessarily fuck that, but maybe we kind of got to purposely kind of dip and dodge or, well, you know, like whole, maybe do a little bit. Thing you know? of like you only earn 16, like, you know, I only earned $16,000 a year last year when my company did 10 million. Right. Yes. <laughs> it, right. So that, that would be an example of probably at least a little bit the gray, right. Cause you're not, mm. you're trying to operate within the system, which, you know, let's be real. A lot of jobs you kind of have to, um, and a lot of people, and some people don't have the, some people won't be entrepreneurs as much as they might try or, and they won't actually be able to reach that level of independence. But I was just talking with, I was just talking with a family member and I have a huge family and one of them, and one of them has a farm up in Wisconsin. And so they do, they practice a little bit of agorism because they can't sell. He, he raises cattle and his, one of his neighbors uh, raises, raises hogs. And they can't sell it to each other legally, which might be crazy, but, you know, look up what the FDA requires for, for small time, for small time farms to comply with, you know, they can't. So, so what do they do? Well, they got an agreement that he gives them a little bit of cow he get, you know, and then he gets a point and then he gets a hog every single year. And so they always, they, they trade the beef and the hog. And that's, that's another example every single day of, of what I, if I'm understanding this correctly, kind of what agorism means in practice which it's certainly one thing I did like about reading it is this idea of practicing it. It's not a quite, this isn't, it was, is one of the things that I wrote down and it's the mark of a good conversation that we didn't talk about. Most of what I wrote down as notes, but it was theory without practice is, uh, is gaming and mysticism and practice without theory is robotic and uh, repetitive or something to that extent. And certainly you know, I'm not sure if you ever went to like college or university or whatever, but one thing that I really appreciated, and I'm broadly in the manufacturing world, um, one thing that I really appreciated about learning about the business that I'm in now is the fact that it it's not up for debate. Either the piece of equipment is going to work or it's not. And if it's not working, that's millions of dollars lost every single minute for this business. And that's, a, you know, it's, it's reality, right? And I talked a little bit about what reality is on the last show, but it, there, is something, there is something to the fact of putting things into practice and what good are your ideas if they can't be put into practice? And I think in that we've been talking a little bit about what people, and I welcome your thoughts with this, and then we can, we can sign off and try to get to bed for the evening because we're recording this pretty late. Thank you again, by the way, for coming in. Um, but I think, I think a lot of people need to be faced with how they're going to look at the political system going forward. I, there are certainly troubled waters ahead for all Americans, no matter, even if you're completely outside of the system. But that doesn't mean we can't find a balance within that. And a lot of people are going to be tempted to double down on the old way of politics, especially if, like, let's say the Mises caucus isn't successful. Right. And the libertarians once again completely miss the mark and don't understand how to properly message themselves to the law, to the broader American public. If for no other reason than to be a Ron Paul, which is the which was the gateway for so many people through 
to to a better to a better world to a better understanding to a more peaceful way of existence because you know even though we don't have even though we don't have the social order we would prefer in society we can still create that order ourselves and i think that's also that's definitely a, i would i would like to think is like at the heart of agorism and one of the reasons why i wanted to talk and talk about this idea was a just to, for us to connect a little bit but also so that people could realize that it really doesn't have to be about you voting every 4 years it really doesn't you, you can you should in fact try and live your life to where voting doesn't matter going back to going back to mentions mobug curtis yarvin for a second you know he says your opinion for government, and I love this, should be of an expatriate. So as an American living in Honduras, do you really care about the government? Well, maybe if they're, you know, if they're trying to remove people from office and there's fires in the streets and there's bad things happening and, you know, people are getting banned and potentially we're going to have, you know, struggle sessions over the next six months, then you might want to pay attention. But otherwise, what's what's the relevance to the government in your everyday life? And I think that's a message that more people need to engage with. And to the extent that I'm able to do anything, I'd like to try and bring that to a larger audience because because people are so warped by politics. It it corrodes your it corrodes your spirit. I mean, man, I you know, following these stories has exposed me to a lot of darkness this, you know, over the last week. And I'm kind of reminded why. I don't like the news cycle and the heavy political cycle because you're just exposed to so much negativity. And that's just not, that's not how humans have to live. And I, so I, you know, and so give your, so yeah, I don't know. Go, go ahead. Sounds like you made a good case for anarchism there. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh shit. Oh, just to back up a little bit with, you mentioned college. I did a college. I flunked out first semester because I, <laughs> I was that stereotypical kid who was like a genius, not necessarily a genius, but I did never had to work hard in high school, always did really well, and then just got to college, just partied it up. I had a blast, mm. but uh, luckily I had scholarship paid for all of it, so I just basically got a paid for, you know, semester. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm not paying, and my scholarships all ran out, so I'm like, I'm not paying for this anymore, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm out. Um, but yeah, the one thing I would I would pick out of what you said there, I mean, not only pick, but uh pull out of what you said there mm -hmm. is uh you kind of brought up how like the voting and how significant it is i would say even if even if you think it's a negative or it's a positive i would make the case that voting or engaging in the political system period is probably going to be a negative overall so but even if we are to accept it's some sort of positive even then i think it's an inescapable truth that is one of the most insignificant things you could possibly do if you look at statistically speaking you look at how much your vote or how much your political influence matters in the scope of things. I think damn near any other action you could possibly do would outweigh the benefits of you engaging in the political system. So with that case, even if you want to engage in the political system, at the very least, fucking be engaging in, in other ways and not just be like, I fucking voted for JoJo and therefore I did my part and I fucking, you know, got the libertarian word out to the world. Fucking do something. I mean, whether it's just getting, you know, just talking to friends or, you know, starting a podcast or I don't know, just fucking, even if it's like, you know, talking to your boomer Republican fucking uncle that has a farm and saying, hey, you know what you're doing is evading the state right now, you know, like you like right. making them realize this. Well, and you might, um, it might be the case that that makes one feel powerless, but it actually is the most empowering thing in the world because this is this is the Jordan Peterson message, and it's not unique to him. He was just the one who carried it of clean your room, 
right? It's Voltaire saying we have to tend our garden. The idea, the idea, it's not that your vote doesn't mean anything. It's that it's the least, it's the least consequential thing you do in your life. Making, you know, calling a family member when they're in, when they're in trouble, consoling somebody who's grieving, having a family, you know, having a good relationship with somebody means in my mind means so much more than this ridiculous notion of your sacred vote. And it's people's priorities are so skewed by the state that we have that, that we're, that we look like the crazy ones. And yet, you know, we're, we're the ones who are, you know, most people are just going to sit and listen to this, right? We're actually, we're actually the ones doing something. So Jose, let people know where they can find you. Uh, we're both on MeWe, guys. You know, this is a time to think about moving off of social media platforms and you can find and let them know where they can find you, what, where, what your channel is, what, what you talk about there and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick aside, though, I kind of want to kind of thought. Please, yeah, kinda, yeah. Feel to free add, to encapsulate yeah. whatever we talked about, yeah. and then yeah. Just to add, be just to add to my point that I was making is kind of the whole idea of not being so embroiled in politics. It doesn't mean you have to go preach the word everywhere. I think it's you're actually better served to be, be, not to be Jose the Libertarian, but to be Jose who's also a Libertarian is mm. is is a better way to put it because. If you're just, I mean, I'm not saying be a bitch about your beliefs and back off every time, but if someone brings it up, you know, be politely be like, yeah, this is what I believe, whatever. I mean, we're not make a thing of it. And then they realize, you know, you don't have to be crazy to have these beliefs. But anyways, yeah, um, the fucking spec up. Uh, yeah, the uh, my plugs, all that shit. Uh, you can find me on, shit, I'm all over the place. I'm basically anywhere there's a, a audio or there's podcasts, uh, basically audio podcasts. My podcatcher sounds like fucking everywhere. Um, I'm also on YouTube. I have two different channels. I'm on, uh, no way Jose, but I'm also on the Liberty movement YouTube channel. The concept of that is like, it's multiple shows on there. We're trying to build up uh, like a whole revolving thing of shows, um, that the whole idea of the Liberty movement was to be cultural and non-political. So I don't really go into my political stuff there, just kind of more cultural stuff. Like I've done like episodes on comics and stuff. Um, if you want more political stuff, I'm starting to build up my other channel. It's very small right now, my No Way Jose channel. Um, the Liberty Movement's also on BitChute, so you can find me on a lot of my stuff on BitChute as well. Uh, I also wanted to plug, I'm kind of in the early talks right now of like working with this like kind of agorist thing. Just early on, I meant to bring it up earlier, kind of casually in conversations, it didn't, didn't work out. But uh, it's just, they're kind of working on like an app store thing. And so I'm going to early talk to them and they're like an Agris app store. So it'd be like Bitcoin and stuff. And uh, so, I mean, especially with like, say they look at what happened with Parler recently. Right. I think that's kind of a, a good point of how we need to not be so reliant on these app stores like, you know, Google Play or Amazon or whatever. Because it's like, they're going to zap your shit quick as fuck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You can, you can hit me up if you want to contact me for any reason. I'm on Facebook uh facebook me we float fucking um god parlor if they ever fix their shit <laughs> um uh yeah i'm also you can hit me up at the liberty movement global at gmail.com yeah i got a lot of plugs but uh i think i think that's it yeah oh yeah the, the, that app uh go check it out let me know uh hit me up and let me know your thoughts on it because i haven't really done too much homework if any of you guys out there want to check it out yeah, yeah, definitely send it to me and, and send me a few of your links and I'll yeah. make sure they're in the show notes page. For me, it's beenawake.com, B-E-E-N-A-W-A-K-E. On social media, it's at the LB Muniz. That's M-U-N-I-Z for the sake of all you English speakers. Um, this was a lot of fun. 
And mm-hmm. I am really looking for, I, I want to talk to you more about the cultural stuff because I think that's super important. And it's also good to be in that kind of a space where you don't, where, you, where it's like, okay, this is off the table. So let's talk more about that offline. But until next time, thank you so yeah. much for this. This has been a lot of fun. Real quick. I didn't finish it. And the fed.app was the app. So if you, oh, okay. if you guys want to check it out and let me know what you think, I haven't run a deep dive yet. And but the it, I like the concept app. of it. So let me know okay. what you all think. <laughs> that sounds really cool. And the call I will put out there is there's any agorist listening is let me know exactly. And I'm talking to one of my friends in particular as well, because he'll listen to this and, and he's going to, and he's going to know I'm talking to him. Somebody figure out how to make a phone and I can probably figure out how we can get the equipment to make it happen. So if somebody knows how to put a phone together and to load an operating system on there, that's, you know, maybe outside of Apple and, and Google's control, we might be able to do some business. So look for me on social media at the LB Muniz, sign up for the newsletter and uh, we'll be back with another episode. So thank you very much. Peace out. like what you heard today, go to beenawake.com to subscribe for future updates. My name is LB Muniz, and I am not one with the woke.